Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello. Hi. Welcome to Old Millennials, a deep dive on shallow topics from the late 90s and early 2000s. I am one of your hosts, Margot Poupard. And I am your other host, Emily Beijing. And today isn't quite a deep dive. No, this is one of our signature minis and something I believe will end up becoming a trend, at least for the foreseeable future, a mini about holiday TV movies. And I am also including streaming in the TV movie part because these all of these movies have one thing in common other than them taking place over the course of the holidays is that they all kind of look the same. They have like a very particular look. And I think maybe with the exception of the show that you watched, Emily, I believe that all of them kind of have this like overlit. Yes. I might be on a soundstage. Yes, yes, you've seen the same nine extras the entire movie, but they are the town, quote unquote. Uh, they all kind of have that look. At least one hot chocolate stand or hot chocolate related scene. It's guaranteed. At least one. Maybe even two. Well, I would. Sometimes you might even get like a Christmas tree lot situation. Yes. There's, yes. there's a of uh, supporting small business in some of these as well. Yes. But today, you know, usually you can call me the Grinch. But this year, before Christmas, I have managed to watch seven holiday specials. So I guess you can just call me Cindy Lou Who now, bitch. So today we are going to be talking about holiday, which you know, is more broadly holiday themed, but I do believe is like a perfect uh, number one movie to start with. Then we've got Princess Switch 2, three-way switch. That's not really the colon after. That's just what I call it. Christmas on the Square, Lego's Star Wars holiday special or Life Day special. The Christmas Setup, Dashing in December, Happiest Season, 12 Dates of Christmas, and Dash and Lily. So I think we've kind of like broken these up into... Would recommend meh, good for kids, question mark, and skip completely. Um, Emily and I watched two separate TV shows. So I watched 12 Dates of Christmas and she watched Dash and Lily. And then we each watched the very first LGBTQ 
holiday movie for Lifetime and Hallmark. I watched The Christmas Setup, and, and which I believe was the Lifetime one. And then you watched Dash- Dashing in December, which is the Hallmark one, right? So it's not even Hallmark. It's Paramount Channel. And it's apparently MTV has rebooted MTV Studios. So it's a Paramount network slash, yeah. So I, it's not Hallmark. I believe Hallmark may have another LGBTQ movie. But yeah, this one was... None of the above, but felt like all of the above, if that makes any sense. Is this, is this the one with Andy McDowell as the mom? Yes. Yes. Okay. Interesting. I guess I just made it a Hallmark movie in my mind. Oh, I also was not realizing. It, check, it checks every one of the boxes. Like small, like it's the big city boy going back to the small town and like corrupt business might ruin the small town ranch, but he needs to remember what Christmas really means to him. Like it has... Every, you know, it checks off the boxes for everything. So it feels very, very Hallmark. Well, I will say all of them have that sort of ticking. Well, except for Holiday, right? All of them have this, like, I must save X from evil corrupt corrupt force Y yes. Yes. by Christmas in order to save the day and win the guy or gal or town or whatever. Because I, I could say that about, I mean, I could even say that about Christmas on the Square. Like, Christine Baranski is trying to sell a whole town and evict everybody on Christmas Day, which is a very American Christmas, by the way, like getting evicted on Christmas so Day. But American. <laughs> but that's part of it. I mean, in the Christmas setup, which is the Lifetime LGBT movie, um, the son, Hugo, Fran Drescher's son, when he comes back, he's a lawyer. He's a big city lawyer from New York City. Where I love I love it in these Hallmark and Paramount and oh, Lifetime movies. It's Lake it New York City. And it's New always York City. New, the like, you could just Apple. <laughs> just call it New York. Like it just it just really tickles me. But anyway, and he's a big, it's never actually he's filmed. a big time lawyer. No, he's a big time lawyer and he comes back home and he has to like save a train station. I, I mean, uh, for historic value, it's really, it is wild. I mean, uh, look, I think historic, my favorite trope though is when they inherit. Historic preservationists deserve their own Christmas rom-com, Margot. I just, I really want someone to inherit an inn. That's always my favorite trope. Like, oh, I got this haunted inn. Oh, my dead aunt's inn. Like, I have to move to a weird place. That's kind of my favorite holiday trope um right after having three identical strangers randomly meet each other that's another one and all of them are like vaguely royal but that is a tale for another time we should start with whatever is the good stuff and even though i was just making fun of it i would say the christmas setup i would recommend because i thought it was a lot of fun it was refreshing because also on my wood reckless is happiest happiest season which is another same sex couple holiday movie. But what I liked about the Christmas setup that I kind of could have done without in Happiest Season is sort of like the coming out angle of it, which I understand are important stories and I'm not trying to diminish that. But I just wanted to see a like a couple that's already accepted or established or at least out of the closet a little bit. And so it was nice. It was so refreshing to have Fran Drescher be Hugo's mom. And he just shows up and she's like, oh, my God, like you've got to meet somebody. And like it was just all very normal and she was very supportive and it felt inclusive. And it was just nice to see a same sex couple have just like, like I said, boring problems. And it was fun, especially the beginning of it, because I think the middle kind of drags a bit. But 
Also, it could be the gajillion commercial breaks that happen I mean, that make it feel like it drags. But he leaves. They have a very cute meet cute where he leaves Patrick, the love interest. And these are this is a real life gay couple because they shot during COVID. And similar to soap operas, they had a lot of people whose partners, if they were able to come and do like the stand in for kissing, except his partner is also an actor who's good friends with Aubrey Plaza. So there's also that interesting link. Oh, yes, nice. I did an Instagram deep dive. Like, you could um, do, I mean, you could do some easy like conspiracy theory, like how all of the LGBTQ holiday movies have degrees of separation this year. Because um, I'm sure we can conduct Andy McDowell to Margaret Qualley to someone on the cast of Happiest Season. I'm just saying. I'm sure, especially there. if you think about that a strange quarantine that they had. I'm sure one of them was at least a featured extra in happiest season. But oh, the meet cute in the Christmas setup was so cute. Patrick leaves his gloves behind. And so he tries to figure out like a, a cute way to give them back to him because he works at the Christmas tree farm and they went to high school together. He had a crush on Patrick and he was like the hot guy. And like I said, it gets really boring in the middle and some train stuff happens and I don't really remember. But Fran is great. And there's a hot older brother who comes and then falls for Hugo's best friend, which is a very cute uh, subplot that doesn't seem to like overtake the whole story either. And then I also read that the brother in the story is also gay in real life. So I was like, oh, wow, what that's what a fun time. And then I listened to a Fran Drescher interview where she talked about what a great time she had on this movie. And the only reason why she accepted the role is that she wanted to be in like a first like this for Lifetime. And she also talked about wanting to direct a holiday movie next year for Lifetime, which is exciting for me personally. But I would recommend. It was sweet. I, I'm i very happy to see this happening, you know, even if it's just one movie in a plethora of, of like 60 movies that they make a year or whatever. But and I thought production wise, it was better than most, although some of the snow scenes, are, they always and people look so hot in these like big ass oh puffy jackets, oh especially kids. God can't hide it on yep. their face very well and everybody yeah. just looks so fucking hot but other than that it was fun and it was cute and i would recommend uh, in dashing december i felt the same way there were times in which the leads the romantic leads were wearing very different layerings like of outfits like one would be dressed like as if it's 40 degrees outside and the other one is dressed like it's 70 degrees like it just there was no rhyme or reason to it it just kind of felt like Someone in wardrobe wasn't thinking too much, just like, how can we add more plaid or more, you know, reindeer sweater to this? Um, oh my God. Much like your movie, I the parallels between Dashing and December and what was yours called again? I'm so sorry. I forgot already. The, the Christmas setup. And Dashing in December is also like, I don't even know. I feel like all of these could exist in the same universe, similar oh, to like Netflix. Sure. How? All of their holiday movies are in the same universe. I'm like, where am I? Yeah. And Dashing in December, these, all of these titles are, are so meaningless. And one day they're going to run out of adverbs or nouns or whatever. And then they're just going to like start all over again. So but the parallels are, are like so similar, like in our, in the case of Dashing December, the two male leads are not together in real life, but they are both out and gay. Um, and then Andy McDowell both stars in this movie, but also produced it. So similar to Fran Drescher kind of wanting to direct one in the future. And like you said, this didn't revolve around a coming out plot. Like the only time you ever think that the lead, the male lead, or one of them is straight is at the beginning when you find out that he has broken up with his ex, whose name is Lindsay. They don't use any pronouns 
downs. And of course it's like meant to be, Oh, but Lindsay was a guy like, but there's no coming out story. He's Andy McDowell is very accepting of her, of her son and the ranch hand who works at their, their ranch. Cause that's of course the, you know, much like your movie, there's a small town. We need to save this plot. Always. Uh, yes, always. Yes. Yes. So there's the big shot um, business guy, Wyatt. Um, and his mom is Andy McDowell. He's never home for Christmas. And the, for this year, he's finally going back to the family ranch in Colorado in a town that is called, and I had to write this down because this is what these movies are made of. Harmony Springs. It's like someone took a generator, like a Hallmark movie town generator and just went with it. But much like you said, they, people are out in this movie. The one thing that I think that slightly elevates this movie from some of the others is the soundtrack. And it's probably because it's an MTV movie. Like they have a oh, slow, the, the two male leads have a slow dance moment to a Casey Musgrave song in an outdoor winter wonderland ranch with string lights while they're wearing cowboy hats, Margot. I love this. And then they have. Oh, like, wait, isn't the. Isn't one of their names like Heath in this movie? Yes, yes, yes. So the oh male my God. Wyatt, <laughs> Wyatt, the male leads are Wyatt and Heath. Like it is yeah. just. This is an homage to Brokeback Mountain right now. It really is. It's like if Brokeback Mountain could have happened under happier, much, much, much happier circumstances. <laughs> Additionally, Lecter and Jake Gyllenhaal should be dancing to a Casey Musgrave song <laughs> with string lights all strung all around them. Yeah, um, the sad scene where our romantic leads are at odds because, like, Wyatt is going back to his cold-hearted ways where he thinks they should sell the family ranch. It's set to "Winter Song" by Sarah Bareilles and Ingrid Michaelson, <laughs> and that's that's it's definitely a part of my sad girl Christmas portion of my my Spotify playlist, Grinches and Ho Ho Ho. And then they play like the great plug, um, Emily. Great plug. <laughs> and then they play that. Uh, what's his name? The British singer Sam um, Sam Smith. Sorry, oh my God. They play this. I almost Sam- said Sam Rockwell. So I'm no use to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, the Sam Smith version of "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas." So there's from a soundtrack standpoint. They definitely put a bit more budget in here rather than playing the same stock music, free domain, um, piano, (laughs) acoustic version of God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. But all in all, really liked it. I think, you know, you and I talked about this earlier. Everybody deserves to have representation in all sorts of rom-coms, including kind of mediocre above average ones. And I believe for Dashing in December, um, you get that kind of representation uh, that I, I hope continues so that, you know, the LGBTQ community can see themselves, that people can see themselves in all sorts of movies, not just amazing movies or dramatic portrayals, but sometimes just above average holiday movies. Yes, everybody deserves an above average holiday movie. I sincerely believe that. And I also think it's nice to kind of get past this like will they won't they accept me and also yes. something I mean since we're going to talk about happiest season. Something that I didn't really like is like this threat of like outing somebody I yes. mean, even even tangentially like it just fills me to the brim with anxiety. So it was so nice to see 
people already accepted and in a loving, supportive family and have friends that support them and not have their sexuality thrown in their faces or used as leverage or guilt or in any sort of negative way. So I think that these portrayals are, like you said, even if they're above average, like they are extremely necessary. And I do want to point out Christmas setup is not in a small town, although they make it feel like it, but they keep calling the town. I mean, they're in Milwaukee. They keep saying that, but it has the small town feel and it has a train station. So I, I don't really understand the geography. I've never been to Milwaukee, but I I wanted to mention that before we moved completely on. Because I also think Milwaukee does like looks much colder that time of year, right? Like the one yeah. thing I appreciated about Happiest Season is everyone looked fucking freezing. Like they yeah, shot like in Philly in the dead Pittsburgh. of winter. Yeah, and they're in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yep. But no, you're absolutely and it, right. And it was so cold. And so it like, I so appreciate cold. everybody looking cold. And like you said, everyone dressed the same with like giant coats. I hate these movies where you're like, where are we? What time is it? Like, I don't know what time it is because the sun is way too bright for it to be December right now. And also, why is that little boy looking like he's about to pass out in that puffer vest? Like, go give him some water. I do appreciate, yeah, the outerwear accuracy of Happiest Season for where it lacked um, kind of some of the things I didn't like about it. I think it it more than enough made up in its um, choice of wardrobe. So this is in the wood wreck category, but I do believe, you know, it's not a perfect movie or whatever, not like I expected no, it no, to no, be. No. But there were some things I, I think that we're pretty much on the same page about what we liked about the movie, which is like the entire cast is amazing. Yes. The yes. writing is very good. Yes. I had some quibbles like I mean, I have bigger quibbles with other stuff that happens, but I had some quibbles between Allison Bree's character and her relationship with Mackenzie Davis like there. Their like rivalry felt a little forced in some ways. That like kind of that ice skating rink scene. I was like, where did this? It felt like it was from a different movie for a minute. Because I was like, this is a this is not the same movie that I've been watching and will continue to watch. So that scene like always kind of like that stuck out to me as not great, but that felt very forced. But other than that, like the performances are amazing. It's very funny. I like Kristen Stewart in a comedy. I like her and Dan Levy together. Yeah, but. What did you like about it? And then we can talk about what, what we would have improved. Sure. I Like you said, casting. I mean, I liked everyone from the siblings. I love the writing. Like, it's Clea Duvall and Mary Holland who wrote it together. And Mary Holland obviously plays the third sister, Jane, in this. I thought her role was kind of cute and fun. I also really I loved- mean, she she truly wrote herself, like, the best role. She like, I think it was a fantastic of- role, a great ending. Like, I and the yeah. epilogue really enjoyed that. I- I think in movies like this, especially since it was supposed to be a theatrical release, right, and not to to Hulu, but um, I think these in these bigger like ensemble casts, you want to be you want to be like the Dan Levy or the Mary Holland because I think that you just kind of like steal the show and you don't have to do a lot. You just kind of get to be yourself. And Mary Holland's like a bit like I know her from uh, her improv group Wild Horses with Lauren yes. Lapkus. Yes, she's Lauren, just yeah. very funny and like she's just playing like an exaggerated version of like characters that she already kind of does very much and that group is great because it's it's her it's lauren lapkus and it's um tignataro's wife whose name is i cannot think of right now but um i could not remember her name either which is why i was like there's other people in there too but you'll have to google it and i believe they all played on a basketball team called the pistol shrimp yes yes 
Yes, because Sarah Silverman was on a podcast I listened to recently where she talks about how she likes to get high before she goes and balls up these people. Like she'll just like show up and like play them. And she talked about playing the improv group. And then someone was like, didn't you lose them? She's like, sometimes I'm not so good when I'm high. When she also really is just. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Playing. They, they all love to play hoop. Very so, interesting. Those are, th- I think, the top things I enjoyed. Um, I think it's a good soundtrack because it's Tegan and Sarah. And I love Tegan and Sarah. And I think that there is just Aubrey Plaza just steals the look. Just crushing. Oh, my crushing. God. With I very little effort. With very little effort. I just want a sequel for her. And and I I just, you know, someone someone proposed a plot on Twitter where she, you know, returns as a doctor and the wedding doesn't work out for our leads. And and this the story we all really want to happen actually happens. But I digress. I'll we'll go we'll get into that as we talk about what didn't work for us. Well, that's sort of like what didn't work. Like a lot of oh gosh, it was was her name Abby? Was Mackenzie Davis's character no. named Abby, or was that Kristen Stewart? Kristen Stewart's Abby. Harper. Um, Mackenzie Davis is Harper. No. Right. Okay. So Harper's no. character for me, I felt like pulled a lot of really crappy shit on Kristen yes. Stewart character, and the the forgiveness happened so sharply that I just so. I could not believe it, and I did not feel like they recovered her character fast enough, and no. I don't feel like they clarified like some of the fuck shit she was doing on the side with her ex-boyfriend from high school like it yes. just felt very manipulative in a lot of ways from her angle and I felt like they didn't do enough to rehab her character by the end for her to earn Kristen Stewart back let alone be fucking engaged to her sorry spoilers but like I, I just like I could not believe that at all um, I felt super cheated and I feel like like you pointed out the character relationship that they developed the best was between Kristen Stewart and Aubrey Plaza's character. And that's who you want to see work out. I just, yeah, right, I don't right. know. The two, I mean, Kristen Stewart is her ex briefly for like an, two hours because of how this like pacing of this movie worked towards the end with the lack of right, yeah. a proper redemption arc, um, but or a very hastily made redemption arc. But yeah, I mean, you end up just finding yourself more and more <laughs> wanting Aubrey Plaza and Kristen Stewart to end up together because the chemistry between them is just fantastic. I I love the pacing in the gay bar scene. I absolutely just thought that was so well done. And then to juxtapose that right after where she goes to the bar that's aptly named Fratty's. Kristen Stewart meets up with Mackenzie Davis and the high school ex and her friends who still don't know that she's gay. It's just, I think that pacing was done so well and the juxtaposition was just so like, makes it so clear to anyone watching, like it should be Aubrey Plaza and Kristen Stewart who end up together. Yeah, I think that's the probably number one thing. The other thing for me is like, all right, I believe that I know that based on the elections that we just witnessed, there are many parts of Pennsylvania that are still quite conservative and probably not very LGBTQ friendly. Uh, that being said, I'd have to think that she would have at least been out with like someone from that part of her life other than her ex. I don't know. It's just, again, I know that there are parts of Pennsylvania that are quite more conservative than like living in a city like Philly or Pittsburgh, but it just didn't feel like in 2020 in this town where like she would be 100% still closeted with everyone in her, what I believe to be her early 30s. Yeah, there was some of that. I yeah, and like some of like the family dynamic, like I said, like with Allison Bree's character, like didn't quite land with me. And like the double secret reveal was like a kind of a little 
I don't know. I didn't really. I made the, the movie wanted me to care about it more than I cared about it. I was like, all right. I feel like it would have been stronger if she just had one weird sister. And yeah. that's why she has all this pressure to be like perfect and have this sort of like Barbie dream life. And the fact that, you know, they come clean to Victor Garber about the whole thing like, oh, I hate being a trophy wife and I want to do karate and you know, Harper's gay and Jane's weird. And he's just sort of like, okay. And then everything kind of like works out anyway. I, it really does kind of make this whole exercise seem a little futile. And if I were Kristen Stewart, I'd be like, man, fuck this fucking family. I had the absolute worst Christmas. I was outed all over again in front of a bunch of people that I did not ask to be in my business in this way. And now I'm just supposed to like be cool with it because you guys are suddenly all cool with it. The, the movie works best when you kind of view it. I mean, this, I think it has this great universal message of like, sometimes you really don't know the people you love until you sort of see them in front of their family or just like in a different light. And it really makes you feel like alone, like you don't know what to do when you're now trapped with this person that that you thought you knew, but is now currently a stranger to you. So I thought all of those scenes, like you said, the juxtaposition between like the gay bar and Fratties, or even just like going to dinner and her deciding to meet up with Aubrey Plaza. Like some of these other like scenes where they did these really clean juxtapositions, I thought was just very interesting and served to isolate Kristen Stewart's character more. So I I still have a hard time coming to the to accept the conclusion that she was like totally okay with it, like you said, two hours later. So Yeah. I I, but I think all in all, what I will say about this movie is you know, people have pointed out the good in it, point criticized what they thought could have gone better. And I think it's just indicative of a point that like there needs to be more movies made like this so that people, yeah, it's exactly. not just a monolith of holiday movies. Like this is the first oh, year yeah. where we're, we're seeing not one, but multiple movies portraying LGBTQ romance during the holiday season. So, you know, I hope that this is just a sign of what's to come in the future and that there will be more of these movies. Uh, so it, it gives us kind of just different stories to see and 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 not just like you said the coming out story. Yeah, I I mean it's on the wood wreck list for a reason. I think yeah. it's extremely enjoyable and it's got sort of like a family stone kind of undercurrent That's to it that I, I appreciate. Going to say this is where I, I think I they like, wanted the sibling dynamic to go. I think so too and I feel like the uh, Maybe if we just spent all of the time in the house, that could have happened. I don't know. I don't really know. But I I feel like I'll, I would revisit Happiest Season as well, like mm-hmm. a, like the Family Stone, like every once in a while, because I did really enjoy it. And it was really fun. And it's like a tight, like, hour 45. Like, it's I'm a pre- I appreciate movies of that length more and more where you can just, like, tell me this. Get in, get out, and tell me the story. So I appreciated all of that. And, again, I like Kristen Stewart when she does comedy. And so I was very pleased to see her be funny. 100% agree. Okay, my Woodwreck last one is 12 Dates of Christmas on HBO Max. This show is as deranged as its premise. <laughs> I I I have recommended this to you Emily personally and a couple of other people. But if you like The Bachelor and you like Bachelor in Paradise. It is kind of, and it's also made by the people who did Love is Blind. So it's got a little bit of this sort of like, I'm insane element to it. You will like 12 Dates of Christmas. And it's also like, you know, our wood wreck category is pretty, you know, inclusive. And I would say that this show is not as. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Straight and white as like our typical dating reality shows. So we have three leads in 12 Dates of Christmas. We have Garrett, who is... um, a white guy from uh, New York who's a real estate developer. He's gay. Then we have Faith, who is 25, and she is from L.A., and she's a stylist and, like, a former Seattle cheerleader. And then we have got uh, Chad, who is the most I-am-in-sales guy you've ever seen, uh, and he is from <laughs> Pennsylvania. And all three are looking for love, and they each have, like, they are in they are all trapped in this castle in some eastern european country and it looks fucking cold outside and my favorite part of of this entire show is again watching them literally get thrown into snow on their dates and like this is the show (laughs) freezing faith has a date outside at night in a fucking strapless ball gown and she looks like she is gonna get hypothermia like i was concerned from her i was like i can't focus on this date until someone gives her a jacket or a blanket or a heat lamp and it was windy i was like this is my nightmare i don't remember anything from the date but i was just like she looks so cold so they are trapped in this giant castle together and there is inside of the castle is um a miniature replica of the castle and it chimes every i mean similar to the bachelor like what is time like it chimes every day or something and they get like a date card and new dates appear and by the end of the show each one of our three leads has to pick someone to take home for christmas to introduce to their parents and i won't spoil anything like i did the previous stuff that we just talked about which maybe has higher stakes than a dating show but i won't spoil any of it but i liked it because two of the three people actually end up in what look to be legit relationships and especially faith like you really root for her she just seems like a really nice sane normal person and the dude that she ends up with also seems like a very nice caring dude and you really buy into their relationship chad is a dude in sales and he's just very like whoa bro like yeah like he's just like he tells every fucking woman who comes into the house like i'm in love with you he's in love with all of them they all give him shit at the end like how many people did you kiss he's like i don't know how many girls came in he's just like (laughs) he just made out with fucking everybody he fell in love with everybody at least he didn't try to pretend to be something that he wasn't he continued to sales bro on Oh, my God. Just like a fucking Labrador. He was just so into it. Anyway, and then all the people that they bring in, like, they aren't, like, stunty reality people either. Um, I do believe that Garrett did blow it by sending home one of the dates. I just thought that, like, they had believable chemistry, but he was doing, like, kind of like the asshole thing of, like, I'm just going to see what else is out there before I pick you and then just, like, sent him home. 
It's just really, I mean, he made some choices along the way, but he also has a fun journey. Everybody has a fun journey. The castle is great. The dates are insane. They're very like the bachelorette now where it's like, obviously they can only kind of like have their date around the castle grounds. And so it's a lot of like masquerade balls with four people and shit like that. (laughs) Important question here. Is there, is there a host and is it someone that we know? There is no host, but there is a voiceover, and it's Natasha Rothwell, and it's very funny. At first, I was very jarred by it, but then once it settles in, she's the voice of the audience of just calling out how insane the show is. And they do show us them bringing their, you know, last standing suitor home for Christmas, but it's clearly not Christmas. It's very clearly, like, July, and you can tell that it has, like, COVID measures in place. As much as they're trying, they can put as many fucking Christmas sweaters on as they want, but I was on to everybody. It was, like, very clear when they were shooting. And, like, I think even in Faith's thing, she, like, drops, like, yeah, it's been so many months. I'm like, since Christmas? Like, what? (laughs) Anyway, I would recommend 12 Dates of Christmas. It's all wrapped up. The show's finished, so you can binge. I believe there are 12 episodes. I don't remember because I did watch it in real time because I got suspiciously into it. I... Highly recommend. It's very fun. It's very stupid popcorn reality show. If you liked, if you like any of the other reality shows I listed earlier, you will like the show. I don't have anything other in my good category. Well, I I have something in my good for kids that I would also put in good. Okay, well, save it for good for kids because we yeah. should just go on to meh. Yeah. Now, agree. correct me if I'm wrong. My mehs are holiday and Pr- princess switch yep. too. Same here. They're both totally forgettable perfectly fine netflix holiday movies but what i'm always surprised by are that the hunky leads are never as hunky as i People want them make to them be out to be my god this happens i feel in- god i feel gaslit i'm like this dude's not hot is he is he hot i can't tell i i think kevin in princess switch is very cute and very charming and he makes sense with vanessa hudgens but the sure. prince in princess switch that the other vanessa hudgens ends up with i'm like no no thank you then even like the evil guy in princess switch 2 was like eh, i don't know he had like that bennett thing like he had those little yes. like, cabbage patch doll teeth and just sort of like skin that has just been exfoliated to the gods yes and i will say wyatt in my dashing in december looks quite a bit like bennett but it somehow worked to his advantage because he was like rich corporate guy coming back to his small town roots um but yes would 100% agree. I feel like these, they're always kind of like some AI generated, like what a contestant on, on the bachelorette would look like who gets booted like night one type of thing. I totally agree. Yeah. They're to I mean, we could talk about them further, but I don't really have much else to say. I mean, holiday was fine. Like there was a lot more sex in it than I thought, which that's not being approved. It's more like, I guess I'm just conditioned to some of these holiday movies where like the lifetime one, like the Christmas setup at the end, I was like, if they don't get one chaste smooch at the end, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. And they do because all of these Hallmark lifetime movies, the end with like one very Christian peck. And so it was, and I'm not, that's not to say that like happiest season does have sex in it, but not to the extent that like holiday does. And I kind of like Emma Roberts, but 
I feel like it doesn't end quite right. Like she should end like on Thanksgiving, but she ends like on Easter. I don't know. And then some of the holidays, I'm just like, no one needs a date to this. It was I, I think the weirdest thing I had ever note. I feel like the following year, if she continued down this path, she would need a um a holiday for like administrative professionals day and Arbor Day. Like it just gets wild on like how many of these holidays supposed, you know, our supposed spinster that Emma Roberts is supposed to be. Um, needs that to have, too. I have like, a thing. giant problem with that. Right. It's just like, Agreed. you need to bring someone home for Christmas. You're going to die alone. I'm like, she's 29. She's yeah. fine. Leave her the fuck alone. What the fuck but are we like, talking about? In TV movie years, she is a spinster. She's like a hundred year old spinster at this point. Like, and meanwhile, like I did enjoy Kristen Chenoweth's uh, like just overall campiness in this movie. Yes. Her being the floozy aunt was incredible. Such and I actually, casting. I guess the only storyline that I liked was Kristen Chenoweth's storyline of her yes. just like being floozy the whole time and then finally ending up with that doctor. I thought that was amazing. I loved it. I really enjoyed it. Okay. So I have to bring up something because it parallels one of the movies that we've talked about last season. Um, do you feel like sometimes they, not to say like they can cast romantic leads from other countries, but do you ever feel like there's a bit of randomness to it all? Like, so they cast this, you know, Australian guy for the role in this movie. And I, it just reminded me a little bit of like Coyote Ugly, where like Piper Parabo's boyfriend is also Australian and just kind of random. Again, I am not opposed to casting <laughs> leads from other countries. It just feels like they cast someone from this country. They're like, well, we like this guy and he's Australian. So now we're going to have a whole plot line that tells you how he ended up in America from Australia. I really don't know, but I definitely in my notes called him a non Hemsworth. So I don't really know. I, I don't, I have no idea. Like at least with uh, Christina Milian in falling in love, she's in New Zealand. So that guy's reason for being there makes total sense. But how Emma Roberts ends up with like a random Australian to spend American holidays with is, you know, I don't get that. Truly. Um, I think the other thing is I was, when I first started the movie, it was Wonderland produced it, which is, I believe, McGee's company. So I was like a oh. little, yeah, so Wonderland is McGee's um, production company, but I don't think McGee had anything to do with this movie. Right. Other than it being from a studio with his name on it. Or exactly. production house with his name on it. Yes. Interesting. I didn't even notice that. Um, another fun thing I wanted to point out is the music sure. in this movie is done by Dan the Automator, like from Handsome Boy Modeling School. Um, and like other Oh, really? Yes. Who also did like scoring for Dash and Lily, which we'll be talking about later. And he's done um recently did another Netflix movie, Always Be My Maybe, which um I really enjoyed with Ali Wong. But yeah, Dan the Automator apparently does a lot of scoring and uh, music for movies now. Well, Holiday did have some of the better music because some of these, like the Christmas setup and Princess Switch, have some utterly deranged holiday music. It's where it's all like, free tonight domain. we're going to fall in love. <laughs> it's a Christmas tradition. Tonight we're going to fall in love because it's Christmas Eve. You're like, what? What is this song? This is not a holiday song. They'll barely, they'll barely start playing a free domain Christmas carol on a piano. And then all of a sudden one notes off and you're like, I guess this is how they save money. I guess so. Can't hire Dan the automator for everything. Um, but by the way, I did look it up. McG is in fact a producer on holiday, which I did not expect. 
Well, Vanessa Hutchins is a producer on Princess Switch and the whole Princess Switch universe, which I did not enjoy that as much as I had enjoyed. Um, I think I enjoy Night Before Christmas better than I like Princess yes. Switch 1 or 2. The three-way switch honestly just kind of gave me a little bit of anxiety at certain points of her just like the third cousin coming in. I was like, oh, this is like one too many people and I don't know if I care enough. And the accent work is yeah. I mean, can it be just- tough. And I say this be- even and knowing Vanessa Hudgens' Disney roots, but it felt as forced as some of those straight-to-video Disney sequels to some of the movies that, you know, like, oh, we have a Santa Claus. Let's let's make, like, three more Santa Claus movies because Tim Allen wants more money. You know, it just felt, it felt particularly forced at times, whereas I think I enjoyed the first one, you know, quite a bit, like, as much as one could. It's much more insane, and I feel like – Princess Switch 2, and I'll talk about it a little bit later about Christmas on the Square, could benefit from a little bit of, like, audience winking and being in on the joke so that it can be, like, a good bad instead of, like, a boring I don't care, which I think is worse than being, like, a, quote, bad movie, like an entertaining bad movie, where, yeah, Princess Switch, it, it felt a little lifeless and a little a little forced. Um, Maybe it's because I watched this one sober and I watched the first one drunk. I felt that way, but (laughs) um, (laughs) like I said, they're both totally forgettable, perfectly fine Netflix holiday movies. So let's move on to good for kids. Why don't you start off with your pick? Okay. This was the most fucking charming thing I've seen this holiday season, I think. And it was Dash and Lily, which is actually a series and it's, I believe, eight episodes. And I just thought it was lots of fun. It's the same. It's based on a book that was written by uh, David Levithan and Rachel Cohn, who are the same people who wrote Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. So it feels vibe wise. It has a very similar feel. There's, there's like mix, there are mixed CDs or, you know, mixes and there's a door prose and like there's finding of letters and it's just very cute. I think the actors were good. They were believable teenagers, which I'm always, we, we talk about this a lot on the show. There are like believable che- teenagers who, even if they maybe cast someone who was in their early twenties, still feel very much like a teenager. Um, I like that they look like normal people, like they're not overly hot. And I just, very much enjoyed it. Like I thought like grandpa and the great aunt were great. I enjoyed that Nick Jonas is a producer on the movie. (laughs) I think that's the weirdest thing about a lot of these movies that we're covering tonight is just that um, they're all produced by such random people, but Nick Jonas has an appearance and the Jonas brothers even play in one episode. But Ultimately, this was a lot of fun. It's an easy breezy watch. Like I think each episode is about 25 minutes. So you watch eight of them. It's like a nice evening. I had a lot of fun with it. I highly recommend it. Nothing else to say, really. I would have put it in the actual good category if it weren't directed for teenagers or tweens. And there's a lot of garbage for the tween teen set on Netflix because I am a connoisseur of the Netflix teen movie. Um, another good thing that we both watched was the Lego Star Wars holiday special. It was very cute. It's yeah. 45 minutes long. Perfect. It's very enjoyable. It was interesting to, so as somebody who has, you know, hate watched the original Star Wars holiday special Likewise. more than Under once. Various substances. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, exactly. Cannot be watched. Definitely would no. not recommend to watch that sober. Nope. Um, nope. 
for a lot of other reasons. <laughs> also, it's because funnier to find out that. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, it's funnier to find out that Chewbacca is a deadbeat dad when you're drunk than it is to find out when you're sober, I'm sure. But uh, as connoisseurs of the old one, I thought that this was like very fun to follow. It has all the new characters like Ray and Finn and uh, Kylo Ren. And also whatever Oscar Isaac's character's name is, who escapes oh, me now. What is Poe Dameron. Poe, thank you. And yeah, I mean, there's not really much else to it. It's kind of like watching an episode of something, like a kid show. And I really do feel like in terms of, there's something about the animation I didn't really quite super love, but I feel like, like you were saying in the grand pantheon of things that kids could watch, like this is pretty, pretty decent. I find that I more and more rate things on like, will my friends who are parents enjoy this, right? So, and I, this is definitely one that like, I feel like if any of my friends who are parents, you know, get stuck with a kid, (laughs) that sounds horrible. I just mean that your kid ends up being obsessed with this one particular thing because I've had, I've had friends who are parents who like their kids fixate on Moana for like three months and then it's like frozen for another three months. Um, Or Cars 2, if you're my friend Sarah's son, he loves Cars 2 and she really wishes that he didn't. But if this is the one movie that your kid decides to fixate on this holiday season and watch over and over again, you'll still get laughs out of it so i would recommend it for kids yeah there are definitely some solid cutesy laughs to be found i never watched any of the lego movies but i've been told they're very good and this isn't by chris miller and phil lord at all but it has the same spirit of it being goofy fun for a little bit for sure Okay, I think we can both agree about this skip because oh, it really pains me. It really does I know. pain me. To say, I know. You need, you need to skip Christmas on the Square. I watched it all the way through. But I finished it I, as I, well. I feel so upset that they wasted the talents of Dolly Parton, Christine Baranski, Jennifer Lewis, and Debbie yes. fucking Allen. Even Treat oh Williams. Treat Williams is a very good actor. Like this is just, I mean, one after another, everyone in this, the formula is there in terms of talent, in terms of fun. There could have been like, and I, I knew there would be some sort of a slight religious edge to this. I didn't think it would sure. go quite as far as it did. And it was, you know, again, everyone in it should have, the formula should have worked. And yet- and yet it is on our pastor. Oh my God, Emily. I That goddamn pastor and his fucking yes. wife trying to have a baby. Yes. If I want to give a shit about a couple having a baby, I'll just log on to Facebook.com. I do not need this shit in my fucking holiday movie. Give me Dolly Parton's Christmas classics or give me nothing. With the exception of the song that she sings, Christine Baranski, when she first appears as an angel in her kitchen, that was the best song. But everything else was so just so sacred and exhausting and just like i believe in miracles like miracles don't fucking pay bills like let's be real and the way that they dress dolly as like a quote homeless person in the beginning with that weird wooden box this is change and then change really means like change within you not like change in your pockets like please someone hit me with a car like i fucking cannot stand this i fast forwarded the very first song i was like this is the dark path that we're on like immediately i mean i watched it because i knew this was like supposed to be your intro song like this was a state i'm pretty sure this might have been a stage play in the past if i recall correctly yes, my because research, it looked yes. It yes. looks so stilted and I mean, yes. it looks very stagey and not like in a flattering way. I was actually very 
jarred by a lot of the set design for some reason. Well, not some reason, because it looks like a set. It looks like a soundstage. Supposed, and there's supposed yeah. to be this like bustling town and there are 12 people that live it's, here. It's and I, you know, I understand. Yes. Yeah, there's yeah, like a play. Like a play. And then here's what I will say. And I say this, like, I I know people have struggled with fertility and that kind of thing. It is not that the plot is like that. It's just that it was so not a necessary plot with everything else going on that, like, there can be a very nice way to portray people having infertility issues in movies. Sure. But is this movie about Christine Baranski or is it about this fucking pastor dude that we don't even care about yet? Exactly. And, and honestly, it was their song that I fast forwarded first, not the introducing you to the town one, like, welcome, welcome, like that, you know, Wizard of Oz kind of intro song. I fast forwarded their song. So I'm like, I don't want to fucking hear this. Like, I don't know why I need to give a shit about either of you. And in the end, Dolly Parton knocks the lady up. So like, I don't like, let's just get to that part. Like, that's interesting to me. Everything else you could have cut out. What I have been told is a bit more fun is this season there was a Holly Dolly Christmas on TV that my sister watched and I think she enjoyed that. So I think I will check that one out after. Um, I've also seen other Christmas movies that Dolly Parton's done. The one starring that's from the 90s. And she's an angel. And um, I was going to say the one where she's an angel. That's a good, that's a great quality. Nixium chick is in it. What's her face? Um, Allison Mack? Allison Mack is one of the kids in this family. Oh, really? Yes. I haven't rewatched that Christmas special since I was a kid, but I definitely remember loving it. And it came up on a past episode too, I think. Much better. Honestly, of the Dolly Parton Christmas movies, that one's a lot of fun. But Christmas on the Square... Where's a holiday on the square? I'm forgetting. I no, it's, so it's, it's Christmas on the square. And I really also couldn't get over how cheap everything looked. Yes. And yes. what I loved the most, though, was Christine Bransky essentially driving around in a circle, like serving people eviction notices. <laughs> I mean, I know they're like, on a train. I know the they're train. on a square, but still, it like it <laughs> really tickled me. I was like, reminds- how big is this town? 0.5 miles? Like, this is I- insane. I may have made a note that it was like, if there were ever a cynical train erector set, this would be the one wrapping around the Christmas tree in your house where the train, instead of the train, it's just motorized Christine Bransky serving eviction notices in your holiday town decor. My God. But yeah, anyway, that's our definite skip. I haven't really watched any of like my classic go-to holiday movies like a Home Alone or While You Were Sleeping yet. But now that we've gotten this episode out of the way, because I was trying to front load. Yes. I mean, some of these I would have watched regardless. Like I really wanted to watch Happiest Season. Yeah. And I also would have watched Princess Switch 2 in the background regardless. But I was happy that it also kind of like got me to watch shit I probably wouldn't watch like the Lego Star Wars special. Like I just saw it. It came up after a Mandalorian episode. And I was like, oh, whatever. It's 45 minutes. I've wasted 45 minutes in less productive ways before. So same here. I'm, I would add one bonus to the, like, you can skip this, um, that I didn't even want to get into too much, which is operation. Oh God, Christmas. What? Operation. Oh, Christmas drop the military. Propaganda. Like, exactly. Yeah. It's very, it's based on a real thing that actually does happen, but it does feel a little like military propaganda, but, and, and just not really worth your time. Uh, and I say this, I really do love Virginia Madsen and she plays a Congresswoman in this movie it just was, yeah, I'd skip it. Not worth your time. I don't know if there are any other big ones that we've missed from the holiday movie releases coming out this year, but I think we covered a lot of what's been coming out in the last few months. I think so. I feel like we're pretty well suited. 
I do have a shameless plug, though. My the sketch group that I am a part of, Killing My Lobster, we have an upcoming holiday special that, you know, we usually do a we love the holidays. We usually have like a big holiday sketch show. Obviously, that can't happen this year. So we're doing it online and we filmed a lot of fun stuff. I am in one of the things that will be airing. And so if you would like, you can go to our website, killingmylobster.com. And on the 19th, we'll be doing like a live stream, live watch of our little holiday special called Just Let Us Have This. So if you're interested, it is this Saturday, if you're listening on Thursday. So this coming Saturday on the 19th, I think it's at seven, maybe it's six, but either way, if you are interested, yeah, check it out. Killing My Lobster. Awesome. I don't have anything to plug. Uh, normally, my acapella group would probably be singing in a holiday concert this year, but uh, singing on Zoom is not easy because of lag, so that's not happening. Um, but yeah, I mean, what movie are you, now that we've gone through you know, all the, the fluffier ones, if you will, uh, what holiday movie are you most looking forward to watching of your classic? Wonder Woman. Oh, it was like Wonder Woman 1984. I'm very excited to oh, watch I'm that on Christmas Day. I'm excited about that, too. Yes, yes. Um, um, I think I think I really enjoy watching while you were sleeping. I think that's probably if I really think about it, my favorite Christmas movie. I just I don't know. It's one of my favorite rom coms too. I just love it. It warms my heart. It's a great holiday rom com. It'd be that and like probably Home Alone too. Nice. What about you? <laughs> so I watched Die Hard last week, which I love. I will probably watch White Christmas in the next week, uh, which oh, I nice. always, I just love, I, I love the dancing. It's fun. And then I probably will, like you, watch Home Alone and Home Alone 2. Yeah, both are great. Mm-hmm. Really just perfect uh, writing. Like, I mean, it's John, I think that's like some of the last John Hughes writing out there. So yeah, just good stuff. Other than his uncredited rewrites. Edmund Dante. But I, th- <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think that, you know, this mini has now become a reg. And so we should wrap it up by saying thank you so much for listening to an episode of Old Millennials. If you liked what you heard, please make sure you are subscribed to this podcast. However, you listen to podcasts, whether that be on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher, or on Amazon, any of those places, or Google. We're on all of them. And if you want to keep up with what we're doing, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Old Millennials Pod. And we also have a Medium page if you are interested on catching up with us there. We're at Old Millennials Pod. And you can also follow me and Emily individually on Twitter. I am at Marg, she wrote. And I am at Emily A. Bijan. And until next time, we wish you a happy holiday and bye. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.